Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. The movie Origin follows a writer who faces personal loss at the same time she works on a book based on her unified theory about systems of oppression. The writer and the book are real. Isabel Wilkerson's cast was a recent bestseller. The film was written and directed by Ava DuVernay and dramatizes that book's ideas while depicting the way it came together. I'm Aisha Harris. And I'm Stephen Thompson. Today we are talking about Origin on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining us today is Jarrett Hill and Trayvell Anderson. They are the co-authors of the book Historically Black Phrases and hosts of the black culture game show Historically Black Phrases Live, coming to a city near you throughout February. Hey, Jarrett. Hey there. Thanks for having us. And hey, Trayvell. Hello, hello. It is a pleasure to have you both. So Isabel Wilkerson published the best-selling book, Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents, in 2020. The book argued that systems of oppression are structured around caste rather than race. It addresses not only the experiences of African Americans, but also Jews in the Holocaust and Dalits within India's caste system. The film origin doesn't so much adapt caste as tell the story of how it came to be, while flashing back to vivid scenes of oppression from across several centuries of world history. And it tells the story of the book's author, Isabel Wilkerson, played by Anjanu Ellis Taylor, as well as her bonds with her husband, played by John Bernthal, her mother, played by Emily Yancey, and her cousin, played by Nisi Nash-Betts. It's a film that imparts history lessons, explores how historians do their work, and tells the story of how one woman copes with terrible loss. The film was written and directed by Ava DuVernay, whose best-known works include Selma, 13th, and the TV miniseries When They See Us. Origin is in theaters now. Jarrett Hill, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of Origin? I wasn't sure what to expect um, going into it. Mm-hmm. it. It's a moment of like trying to figure out what this story is going to be or where we're going with this because it does move around. And by the end of it, I was like, I think everyone needs to see this to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. The interesting dynamic of the way she juxtaposes race and caste, as you kind of explained there, mm-hmm. is really, really interesting in a time where we're having more and more conversation about the ways that things operate outside the United States as opposed to how we look at things inside the United States. And I think we have those conversations in many different places right now. If we're thinking about Gaza, if we're thinking about mm-hmm. democracy, if we're thinking about race, if we're thinking about so many different different things. And I think this movie is perfectly timed for that conversation. All right. How about you, Trayvon? You know, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with what Jared said there, mm. but I will also just add that I did not find the movie particularly entertaining, mm-hmm. but I did find it very necessary and very educational and very useful mm-hmm. to Jared's point about the need to have those types of conversations. That said, Anjanu Ellis-Taylor is doing the best work of her career. I thought it was the Clark Sisters' Lifetime movie, (laughs) okay? But it really is here in origin. It is a wonderful display of acting work, right, happening on screen. Mm -hmm. But is it a movie that I'm going to watch again? I don't think so. Okay, okay. So... 
I will disagree with you there because I definitely want to watch it again because I'm like, I need to understand some of these concepts in a different way. That's because you a professor, though. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. No shade. How about you, Aisha? Yeah, I think what both of you said is really interesting because I loved this movie and I think that it does walk a very, very, very fine line between being didactic and being dramatic. And, and dramatic, I mean, in the entertaining way. And I think that your mileage may vary when it comes to these sorts of things. Mm. And I think this is a movie that, to Travel's point, is a movie for the sort of research nerds, the thought process nerds, perhaps the people who love to see the work, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. think about this in conversation with something like Beyonce's Renaissance. Mm. We're showing the work of how we got to this place. And I think to think about what this movie is doing, and it's showing the Isabel Wilkerson character taking all of these ideas and histories. And there are moments where she's just doing research and you see quick shots of the books that she's looking at so that it's not just... Isabel's ideas. We know where these ideas are coming from. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is operating on so many different levels and it walks that fine line. But for me, like Jarrett, I was swept up by it. I was moved by it. By the end of it, I was crying. I was not expecting to be crying, <laughs> but I did. I do think like this is for me up there with When They See Us. I think this might be mm-hmm. Ava DuVernay's best work of her career so far. Um it worked for me, but I can also understand Travel's point about how <laughs> there are parts where it can feel like they're just long monologues of people talking. I was just saying, but that also I think is an important thing to say, right? This is a movie about journalism, ultimately. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And movies about journalism mm-hmm. are hard to make because how many shots of a book are you going to show me? <laughs> how many shots of typing, typing on a computer reading. are you going to show me? Mm-hmm. You know? So making movies about journalism are very difficult. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, she checks all of the boxes. But to your point, Aisha, if you you're not into a slow process oriented look right at what this woman went through mm-hmm. to connect these dots but then also went through in her own personal life we haven't talked yet much about yeah. that element of the story that's also here you you might feel like it drags just yeah. a little or it's a little heavy perhaps <laughs> Yeah, I didn't feel like it dragged. I I definitely think it delves into the process of threading these ideas together. Part of it is I do come from a journalistic background, and so I'm interested in movies about journalism. I think the journalism in this film is handled really effectively. The only place that I struggled with this movie was very early on. The didacticism felt really, really heavy. And there's a moment in this film where Nick Offerman shows up mm. to like do a repair in Isabel Wilkerson's basement and he's wearing a Make America Great Again hat. And I'm just like, oh, buddy. This felt really leaden. It felt obvious. It felt like it was underlining its point six times. For about the first half hour, I'm sitting there like, am I into this? Do I like this movie? And then once it kind of gets fully into that process, and once it starts weaving those threads together, Mm -hmm. like once it heads to India, It's doing the work. Like, Mm -hmm. early on, you see a dramatization of Trayvon Martin. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to watch, in part because it's so recent. As this story fans out and tells different stories and weaves them together, I, like Aisha, had this really strong emotional reaction to it that I didn't fully expect to have, especially earlier in Mm -hmm. the film. Mm -hmm. I have to say, the, the Make America Great Again moment, without giving away too much about it, 
it, it spoke to me because I feel like I've seen those moments play out for other people and I've heard about people have those kinds of moments happen. Mm-hmm. And so like mm. those kind of interactions, I feel like I, I know a lot of uh, people of color have had those interactions where it's like, this could go left or right at any moment. Yeah. That moment, it felt tense to me because it's also like this person is in my home mm-hmm. with this hat on. Mm-hmm. That moment resonated with me for sure. It's also like reflective of Ava DuVernay's work lately, yeah. right? Like the last few things that she's done have been connecting a history to yeah. a present, right? I think that seems to be something that's very important for her in her yeah. work lately. But I agree with you that it, it did also feel a little like, all right, here we go. <laughs> but then the movie definitely does open up in a way that I think allows you to sit into kind of the experience that is unfolding on screen, the different dramatizations of these various periods in history. It's a really interesting kind of storytelling structure um, that I don't think I've seen much of before. Um, And I think you can do something, you know, quote unquote, innovative or different like that when the studio system is not funding your movie and you have philanthropists <laughs> putting the money up and, you know, their care about mm-hmm. butts in, in seats, right, looks very different than mm. a Hollywood studio. I think it allowed her to, you know, play a little and do different things that also make it a worthwhile experience watching it. What also really struck me was just the way that for me, at least, this storytelling and the sort of unexpected trajectory of the way the story unfolds is that this is part journalistic exercise, but then it's also a family drama, or at least a very personal drama. And Mm -hmm. it really does a lot of really interesting things and, and work in telling the story of what it's like to both be a Black writer, but also a Black writer who has personal things they have to deal with, like her mother mm-hmm. being ill and then her, you know, her husband, who's played by John Bernthal, passing away. I mean, it's not, it's not a spoiler. This happened in real life. The grief that she deals with while also trying to tackle the grief of hundreds of years of mm-hmm. trauma, there's mm-hmm. this beautiful mm-hmm. recurring visual sequence. And I think this is where, again, mm-hmm. DuVernay is really like towing that line between both the didactic and the dramatic. We see Isabel like laying in this bed of leaves and the leaves are falling and she's also this is a moment where something terrible has happened to her and it's happening in slow motion and that visualization of what it can feel like of being just like overwhelmed with this grief and she's wearing this white dress it's it's just really uh but again the tears started falling when it Mm. reappeared towards the end and i don't know I, i think that it's just such an interesting thing to think about how I had just seen American fiction not too recently before that. And I think that movie also is dealing with similar things when it comes to grief and family and like what it means to be a black person who may have some sort of success, but still has to deal with all of these other family personal things that are making it more difficult to do that work. And I think this movie does a really good job of poeticizing that in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, I think poeticizing is a really good verb. Mm. She has this real gift for a mix of emotional intelligence paired to technical brilliance. And so you get mm-hmm. some of that image making that is really remarkable. I'm glad that you called out the the scenes with her in the leaves and and her way 
of kind of tying some of those visuals to some of the bits of history that are woven into the film. She does a really beautiful job weaving those threads together in a way that, like we've been talking about how it's edging into didacticism, but part of it is just she's extremely gifted at crafting mm-hmm. images. I think what's really interesting about this movie to me is there are moments when it starts to feel like a documentary, mm-hmm. um, especially when she's traveling and like talking to folks and kind of learning about cast in India when you see her kind of like in those stories. That was interesting to me as well because I felt like you're telling me something, you're saying something to me about culture, you're educating me in a way, and it's weaved into this person's story. I I thought that was really, really interesting. I wanted to touch on the performances a little bit. You know, Trayvell acknowledged the Really, I, I think we can all agree the greatness of Anjanou Ellis Taylor's performance in this film. Yeah. Okay. I wanted us to kind of get into that performance. And also, I wanted to ask you guys if there were supporting performances that jump out at you. I mean, the fact that Nisi Nash is in this film means clearly, obviously, one of those standout performances is by yes, Nisi yes, Nash. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I would agree. I think to start with Nisi Nash bets. I loved the way that they revealed her story in her scenes. Yes. I thought they did a really beautiful job of like letting us see the relationship and then the circumstance. Mm-hmm. Right? They they would let us like really get into the conversation with them and then like, oh, oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it must have been writing and directing all of that as Ava. Um, and I just thought it was just incredible. I I, I really, really enjoyed Nisi Nash. And I and I mean, obviously earlier this week she won an, an Emmy for her role in Dahmer um, on Netflix. And Mm -hmm. I think we have only just begun seeing the excellence of Niecy Nash Betts. And I'm I'm excited to see what comes from her. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. Niecy is the second highlight for me. But that's because, you know, Niecy's going to always deliver. (laughs) That's just what she does. Y'all know what I mean? But the entire cast, really, like even, I'm even thinking about some of the, the scenes where it's really only supporting cast, mm-hmm. like the the flashbacks to um, the guy who did not hail uh, Hitler mm-hmm. in that one scene. Yeah, played by Finn Whitrock. Yeah. Like, everybody seemed to be dialed into what was unfolding and, like, the articulation of this history in a really, you know, interesting way. Yeah. I have not read cast. Mm-hmm. You know, any time that you're trying to distill, you know, you're talking about all these historical threads that it's weaving together. The film is bound to do a certain amount of simplifying and shortcutting of some of that history and some of that academic work. Mm-hmm. There were a few moments in this film where it felt like a few shortcuts were being taken. There's there's a moment in the film where Isabel is kind of tying some of these threads together and she mentions the caste system in India and she says like, these are all brown people. Race has nothing to do with it. And talking to our producer, Hafsa Fathima, about this, you know, she was sort of talking about the fact that that's really kind of eliding a lot of the history of the Indian mm-hmm. caste system and that, like, skin color, skin tone, uh, lightness versus darkness is a factor of the Indian caste system. And the film kind of hand waves that away in ways that I did want to acknowledge as, like, anytime you were trying to distill a massive work of history and thinking into mm-hmm. a two hour and 21 minute film that is also telling all this, these personal stories, you're going to do a little bit of shortcutting in ways that can give short shrift to some of this scholarly work. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. something that jumped out <laughs> to me because I also haven't read cast, but I do understand that cast 
the concept of caste is in many ways built off of skin color and the very skin. Like even within black communities, when you think Mm -hmm. about who got to be teachers back in the day, it was usually the lighter skinned Mm -hmm. people within our communities who got to be the school teachers and to to be the certain kinds of quote unquote higher or more intellectual uh, work, as you as you would say. So I, I think that while it is kind of a simplification, it doesn't necessarily completely erase her larger point, which is the fact that race is but one factor and that to deduce things just to race does not benefit any of us if we're trying to actually dismantle everything. Mm -hmm. But I I do think that that is something, you know, that is, is interesting to think about how the limitations that come from adapting from such a thoroughly researched and such a, like, huge book and also trying to also weave in uh, parts of the book that weren't in cast because they are parts of Isabel Wilkerson's actual life. Right. That that was definitely something I noticed. But again, doesn't doesn't completely nullify her point at all. Oh yeah, not not at all. And mm-hmm. and all any any quibble that I have this with this film is just that it's a quibble. Yeah, I mean, I, I will note you did say it's already two hours and twenty <laughs> minutes, and it feels like it. Okay, it feels like it, but it feels worthwhile. Yes. I want to say it's a worthwhile two hours in a theater, perhaps, or maybe you'll be streaming it eventually, but it is worthwhile. Agree completely. We want to know what you think about Origin. Find us at Facebook.com slash PCHH. Up next, what is making us happy this week? Support for NPR and the following message come from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mattress Firm. How do you sleep at night? No matter what might be keeping you up, Mattress Firm can help anyone sleep. Mattress Firm will find you the right mattress from a wide selection of top brands at every budget. Plus, if you see a lower price somewhere else, they'll match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or store for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle. Find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This message comes from NPR sponsor Squarespace. Kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI, generating instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. No matter the placement, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Use code HAPPYHOUR to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What is making us happy this week? Jarrett Hill, what's making you happy this week? 
So I've already spoken this person's name, but I have to tell you, Niecy Nash Betts winning the <laughs> Emmy earlier this week and like what resulted from it, her backstage conversation where she was asked about that moment where she thanked herself. <laughs> um, I saw on, on Instagram the next morning, she had gotten up and was like skinny dipping with the Emmy <laughs> with her wife. And so like, I just, I really appreciated what Niecy did in that moment. But it was also great to hear her say like, no one believed in me like I did. I'm proud that I did something that people said I could not do because I believed in me. And sometimes people don't believe in themselves. And I hope my speech was a delicious invitation for people to do just that. Ah, hell, Nisi. Amen. She is such a joy. Thank you, Jarrett Hill. Trayvill Anderson, what's making you happy this week? So I've decided to go the shameless self-promotion route (laughs) and say that The thing that is making me happy this week is that Jared and I have turned our book, Historically Black Phrases, Mm -hmm. as you heard earlier, into a touring live game show that we are hosting, so you know it's going to be good. (laughs) And we are going to D.C., Atlanta, New York, and L.A. throughout Black History Month, okay? We're doing this thing independently because we, you know, have issues. (laughs) But, you know, it's a lot of fun. We're planning it. We're writing original questions. You want to be there. Trust me. Uh, (laughs) All right. Thank you, Trayvell. Aisha Harris, what's making you happy this week? What's making me happy this week is The Book of Clarence. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by this movie. I did not know what to expect. It's directed by James Samuel, who also uh, was a part of uh, the Western movie, The Harder They Fall, that came out a, a few years ago that I, I really liked. This one is an epic that's, and I, I don't know if Trayvon and Jared have seen it. I feel like you, you all might have <laughs> thoughts on it if you have. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's an epic biblical film that's inspired by movies like Ben-Hur, Ten Commandments, but also has the humor of Mel Brooks and Monty Python. Weird combination, and (laughs) the tonal balance doesn't always quite work. (laughs) The cast, talk about another standout cast. You've got Lakeith Stanfield, who's playing Clarence, who is this like struggling hustler, the twin brother of one of Jesus Christ's apostles, who's also played by Sandfield. And Clarence plays this non-believer who observes Jesus's influence and decides to proclaim himself a new Messiah so he can collect money and pay off a debt. Mm-hmm. It's got questions of faith in a humorous way. You've got David Oyelowo, Alfred Woodard, Tiana Taylor, better Dick Cumberbatch. Like <laughs> it's worth seeing and, and checking out. Um, so the book of Clarence, yeah, it's fun. It's dramatic. It's dark. Uh, it's all the things. Thank you so much, Aisha Harris. What is making me happy this week? Okay, so it is Oscar season, and I have been watching a lot of grim, heavy, portentous uh, historical dramas. But after a film like that, you need a certain palate cleanser. And I have been finding that palate cleanser in family viewings of a reality show that I had not been watching called Lego Masters. Uh, There are four seasons of Lego Masters. Uh, Lego Masters uh, airs on Fox and streams on Hulu. Mm -hmm. It is a very, very fun competition competition-based reality show in which teams of two are tasked by Will Arnett, who is a very funny and very game game show host. (laughs) They're given kind of remarkably long periods of time. It'll be like, you have 14 hours to to put together Lego-based challenges. And sometimes they're very art-based. You know, we've cut this thing in half, and now Mm -hmm. you're going to build a Lego sculpture that kind of fans out the other half to tell a larger story. There's a lot of wanting them to tell stories. You get this nice mix of art and science, and I'm so 
into it. It's so fun. It's such a great show. Uh, I'm already weirdly emotionally invested in it, even though the stakes are not terribly high. If you are snowed in and looking for something to binge that will not uh, tax your emotions, I just cannot highly enough recommend Lego Masters airing on Fox when it's new and on Hulu when you want to stream the backlog. That is what is making me happy this week, and thank you, Travel, for backing me up yes. Lego Masters. <laughs> if you want links for what we recommended, plus some more recommendations, sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. That brings us to the end of our show. Travel Anderson, Jarrett Hill, Aisha Harris, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. This episode was produced by Hafsa Fathima and Liz Metzger, and edited by Mike Katzif. Our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Stephen Thompson, and we will see you all next week. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com NPR and use code NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capella University. With Capella's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This message comes from the run-through with Vogue. Listen as designers, Vogue editors, and industry icons like Erica Badu and Florence Pugh have in-depth conversations about fashion and culture. New episodes are released each Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.